Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. On today's episode, I'm talking with Marcy and Jessica, a mom and her daughter. Marcy and her husband, Randy, have three grown kids who are married and have their own children now. Jessica and her husband, Reed, have four kids, ages nine, seven, five, and three. Okay, hang with me while I tell a little personal story that helps you get to know Jessica and Marcy. So I went to Auburn University, and it was really scary for me. I was 800 miles away from home, starting at a big school, not knowing a soul. I was two weeks into college, and Labor Day weekend was coming. Everyone was going home for the long weekend. Now keep in mind, their home was an hour or so drive away, and mine was definitely not. I wouldn't be able to go home. It was Wednesday before the long weekend, and my roommate, who also happened to be from Texas, and I were talking to each other about what we would do on an empty campus when up walks a girl who we had met a few times because we had just started in the same organization. She said, hey, I know y'all are from Texas and you can't go home. Would y'all want to come home with me to Atlanta? We both said, well, sure, we would love that. I mean, if it's not too much of an inconvenience. I mean, are your parents okay with it? Outside, we were trying to play it cool and low key. I remember that feeling. But inside, we were so excited. We spent the long weekend with Jess. Jess's parents, Marcy and Randy, her younger sister, and we had a blast. I remember eating Marcy's really good meals at their table, watching the Auburn football game, going to church with them. I remember the comfortableness of their home. It felt like I just jumped into their family, like I belonged there. That was the first of many trips to their home. And while at Auburn, it was my home away from home. I always felt welcomed. I always belonged. I always ate really good food. So this is why I wanted to talk with the two of them about hospitality. They're just really good at it. Jess, let's start with you. Tell me about one of the earlier memories of seeing your mom's hospitality skills. I think I would say I don't remember ever not seeing it. Um, that sounds vague, but like, so obviously I was born in Dallas. Yeah. Um, we moved to Atlanta when I was almost eight. And um, I remember in Dallas, I don't have a memory of them not ever hosting people. Yeah. So it started with, um, home church. So through our church, we had small groups of families that would come and divide up into different homes. And my parents always hosted that. So I remember no having way. families in the house all the time. I remember having kids there. Um, like, I think they would, y'all maybe get a babysitter or someone to watch us, the kids during, we would have like, you know, group praise and worship. And yeah. then the, the adults would kind of break down and, you know, have their time and the kids would go play in the backyard. And this was in Dallas? This or was in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's cool. And then also just through my dad's business, they were constantly, I mean, it was kind of a revolving door of people in yeah. and out of the house constantly from Dallas to here to still probably less now, just business wise as my parents have gotten older, but um, in other ways too. And so there was just never a time that they didn't host people. Yeah. That's just kind of been... Like the story of my life, I guess. Yeah. That, like you always felt like people being in the home was normal. And, totally normal. Yeah. Like to me, it was more abnormal that when people were like, oh, that's so great that your parents would open up their house like that. And I'm kind of like, oh, is that not 
<laughs> is that not normal? Is that not normal? <laughs> I just, that's all I ever knew. Yeah. And so cool. whether it was, you know, church groups or as we got older, you know, hosting youth group gatherings. I remember when we built our house in, um, in Atlanta, they finished the pool. I have a memory of literally they were filling up their pool with a hose and they hosted like a hundred youth group kids coming that no. night. Isn't that right? Well, the first party, actually, it was, I was the room mother, as was normal Yeah. Um, at that point in my life. And for, I think that was Meredith's class. And um, and they were probably first or second graders, I guess. I guess probably first graders. And I had committed to having the end of the school party, you know, because I was the <laughs> room mom. And, She's going to do it no And what. the weather didn't cooperate. And, uh, you know, we had finished our house in October and... And this was now, they started the pool in February and it's now the end of May or third week in May. And yeah. it was, we we're going to get that thing done. And so it was, it was the most freezing. contrived, freezing cold. We ended up with, you know, Atlanta's considerably cooler than yeah. really, believe it or not, even though it gets oh, that yeah. silly name, Hot Atlanta. It's not, it's a lot colder than it is in yeah. Texas. And our nights cool off a lot. And we'd had a run of like two weeks of rain and really cool, cold nights almost. The water was freezing. <laughs> but she rolled with it. Yeah. And like, we're going to have this party. anyway. So it's just, I guess I have constant, you know, just always hosting, having out-of-town visitors. Um, I just always grew up knowing an open-door policy. And that's how Reed grew yeah. up too. And so it's been just an easy transition for us as a couple to get to. So, so Marcy, have you always enjoyed hospitality? Um, yeah. Um, and and let me just, I think I would stress, especially since the, you know, your audience is, I think, you know, probably mostly young parents that are, are trying to strive to be better parents, um, is that this is a perfect example of modeling. Yeah. And, um, my mother who is 92, um, and still lives on her own. She's a pretty amazing woman. Yeah. Um, and my dad, um, who went to be with the Lord six years ago, he, they were a great example of this. Yeah. And um, and it was a different era. I grew up in the fifties and sixties primarily. You know, I got out of high school in in nineteen seventy two. So it was a very different uh, world back then. It really was. Um, but um, <clears throat> my mother and dad always had groups of people into their home and sometimes um at least once or twice a year they would they would have big groups mm-hmm. and um my mother was had not known how to cook when she got married she Wait, was an really only child and did not know how to, <laughs> she says she could boil water and so when she and my dad graduated from college and um and got married they she did not know how to do anything in the kitchen um like i said she was an only child and her mother had just done everything and had just not done a great job of teaching her yeah and so my mother was very intentional about making sure my sister and i knew a lot more and so my sister and i really gravitated to that in kind of different ways as we've gotten older yeah my sister is an amazing cook she's like a gourmet cook but i know how to feed the masses Yes, and um, and that is, and so we kind of combine. We laugh and we say we really could be a great catering company, you know, because of Mm -hmm. of that. But my mother really was very intentional about training us and how to. And so they started having these back when I was growing up in Jacksonville, Florida. They started having these big New Year's Eve parties, and I mean, when I say big, in those days, a big party of fifty people. Yeah, but they would have, and they were church parties, you know, and so they were pretty pretty tame, you know, parties. But um, my sister and I started helping when we were 
I think maybe we were, I was 10 and she was eight. We're exactly two years apart. And so, um, and so we started helping very young. And then when we became teenagers and we relocated uh, at the very end of my sophomore year to the Kansas City area, it, I think was a year after. So through college, um, you know, I would go home for the holidays and to my mom's and dad's house and I would, we would put these big parties on and, Honestly and truthfully, people would say, well, don't you want to go with your friends? I said, no, I have way more fun with my parents' friends. Yeah, and um, And hosting and 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 helping. And so I think that um, there are certain personalities that definitely, you know, gravitate very easily to hospitality. And I'm a pretty much an off-the-chart extrovert. And so for me, this has not been a big stretch um, in terms of the, you know, that element of it. And then I think I got some pretty good training early on, um, and with my with you know with my mother and dad and and the, the opportunities that they would afford us and and I liked I enjoyed food and I liked to cook and yeah. so those were things that were pretty easy. But um, but honestly and truthfully, I think the modeling that was done there was very easy for me. Yeah, and um, and I watched and observed and I saw that it brought a lot of people joy yeah and I saw that my mom and dad were able to share the gifts that um, that God had given them and um, and I feel like as I look you know at my giftedness I think my greatest gift is probably the gift of hospitality yeah. but yeah. if that's not your gift that and maybe you're not an extrovert or maybe you're not you know maybe people don't really energize you the way they do me that doesn't mean you can't model this for your children. I can think of a person in particular who's one of my favorite people in the world. And um, she is quiet uh-huh. and res- much more reserved than I am. My husband says I can walk in and talk to the wall, you know. And um, and she's and yet she has one of the greatest gifts of hospitality I've ever seen. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, um, and so I think you can adapt your personality to the situation. So you can't use that as an excuse, right. I think. And it doesn't mean you have to have the massive groups of people that we've always had. Right. Um, but um, but I think that God has given us a lot, and I've always looked at it and thought, what a great opportunity to share, yeah. um, you know, with others. And it is a ministry. It's yeah. completely a ministry. So even when your kids were little, and you know, Jess was talking about the the Bible study that has your has hospitality changed as your kids have gotten older and you've gotten older? Or would you say it was about the same? Well, I mean, my. Uh, I probably, I don't have the massive groups of people. I and mean, we still have, you know, 50, 60 people in our home. On, you but know, it was frequently. more your kids' friends that helped with the masses. Is that right? Well, it, there were Very a lot. Of, it, was, it was our business, too. We had uh-huh. we had uh, large groups. It started, you know, really 41 years ago, basically, yeah. when we... Um, we went into a, a business that that's a financial service business, but it's really a people business. Yeah. And so when you're in a people business, you got to get to know people. Yeah. And you and one of the for us, it was a very logical uh, thing for us to have people in our home. And and look, in the early days, I served people in our first house in Richardson, Texas, right. that we bought. 41 years ago, this past summer, <laughs> in the summer of 1979. I served people for at least the first three years in that house off a metal folding table in my empty dining room. And then we finally got to where we could afford a beautiful (laughs) table that looked a little bit like this one that I'm sitting at right now. And honestly, and then we bought the table. 
And I remember that table was $1,200, but I couldn't afford the chairs. <laughs> so you kept the folding I'm chairs? Serious, yeah. And so, yeah. um, and so, you know, and I, through those early years, those are some of my sweetest memories. And I remember when I got right. the, the chairs and I remember when I could finally get the hutch and, um, because my kitchen table sat maybe three people. You know, it was a little, you know, I think it was like a, I mean, we'd come out of, we got married in graduate school and we were poor, you know, we didn't have anything um, when we, you know, when we started out. And so uh, like everybody, we had a couple, you know, we bought our first house and we had a lot of empty rooms in it. Right. And so, but yet we, we had to kind of uh, move on. And so I just made the best of what I had. And it didn't hold you back. It didn't hold me back. And through the years, I've coached a lot of younger women or, um, or men, you know, yeah. as the case might be, couples, and said, you know, you can't let that hold you back just because you don't have your dream home or just yes. because you don't have um, you don't have as much as many things as some people have. That doesn't mean that that you can't still uh, be gracious and show hospitality. And um, look at the, Jesus set the most perfect example. Yeah. You know, it's no coincidence to me that the first miracle recorded in the Bible mm-hmm is at a wedding feast and, and Jesus changed the water to wine. And, um, and then it's not a coincidence either that one of the last instances of Jesus being with his disciples is he's fixing them breakfast on a beach and he's serving people who had turned their back on him, especially the one who had denied him, you know, verbally three times and he's serving them a meal. And there's so many examples, so many examples throughout the new Testament of Jesus sharing a meal and um, one after another and it, hospitality was was very much modeled for all of us by Jesus. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that. So this is here's the deal. Hospitality is something y'all have done forever. So it's second nature. It's like driving. It's no big deal. But for people who are new or didn't have it modeled for them and someone is coming to spend a night with them or a weekend, I want y'all to talk through your process for preparing for them. Um, my mom will probably laugh, but I'm not like the best, you know, at keeping my house. <laughs> I am not the model of the, you know, Susie Homemaker when, <laughs> when it comes to my house always being in order. A lot of that is it, I, personality. I'm a little more like relaxed and laid back and all that. My mom was much more, to her credit, much, right, and much more disciplined yeah. with things like that. Um, but also I have four small mm-hmm. children who, as you know, can explode a room in five minutes. Yeah. So I've had to like let a, Way lot, less of that, than five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> let a lot of that go. But, um, I also grew up in a house that, you know, we would make messes and all that too, but I always saw that, um, if people were coming, we wanted to treat them with honor and make them know that they were important and they were, they were worth, they, they were expected, expected uh-huh. and they were worth cleaning up the house for. And so sometimes that looks different. I mean, if I have like a literal last minute guest, it's throwing stuff in closets, doing like quick, I'm a queen of the three minute cleanup. Like I can make a common space look clean and put together really quick. But if I have like guests coming, then I'm going to make sure their space in particular is clean and ready for them. So, um, I'm doing that in the common spaces. I'm also doing things like, um, and this is an ongoing battle with my husband and I, because I'm I'm a lamp person. So I'm constantly turning lights. She came by that naturally. And that yes. was how I grew up as well. So I was kind of like, why wouldn't you do that? You know, Like turn a lamp on, leave oh, a lamp so, on. Yes. So when people are coming over, 
I have a crazy amount of lights on. It's not like that every day when I'm in my house, but that's strategic. I think that sets an environment of a warm and welcome place that's like ready to receive you and you feel comfortable in. Um, I like not having closed doors in the house. I want you know, rooms to be open with a light in the next room to know that you're here and my home is your home for now. And so I want you to feel comfortable in every space. I want you to feel like, you know, nothing is off limits to you or anything like that. So lights are like a huge thing for me because of that. I just think it... Walking into a dark room is not inviting. Yeah, if you walk into a house and the lights are all off, you're going to feel a little bit more... You know, standoffish. Am I I, like, am I, do they want me here? I can't tell. And so I think that lighting can create a, a, really warm welcome environment same thing with like (laughs) way too many candles um and i can only imagine Reed and what (laughs) yes yes (laughs) smelling candles is really i think that that creates a warm environment too um having music playing in the background yeah like that's a big thing for me or if it's if you're having people over to watch a sporting event like having the, the the game going just so that when people walk in there's not any sort of like awkward transition you're able to just come in feel well welcome, accepted. And I think that having a space that's been cleaned up just lets, I think it places value on that person to let that, let that person know that they're worth the time and energy to clean up, to make them feel important because that lets them know that you want them there. Well, and also what you're, you walk in and if it's messy, you're like, Oh, I feel like expecting to leave. Yeah. Do I need to leave? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do your kids help you clean up? Yes. So okay. we have, um, I mean, you know, they're young. My oldest is nine. Yeah. He's the best cleaner of them all. The seven-year-old's good now, but the little two kind of, you know, <laughs> they just throw things in baskets. Um, but yeah, I think that's the other thing too, is getting your kids involved. So like, yeah. like for instance, when you and your boys came to stay with us, my kids were so excited. Yeah. And so we created like a, a just a feeling of anticipation. And I think that that um, translates to the welcoming of the person when yes. they get there. Because it's like, oh, we've been waiting for you. There you are. Like everyone wants to have that feeling. There you are. Yes. I've been waiting for you. Oh, and so I think yes. that that's, um, I think that just places value and makes the person feel seen and yes. loved. And who doesn't want to feel that way? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. And so I think it's good to get your kids involved if yeah. you're a mom of kids. Like, l- have them write a ugly little welcome note and put yeah. it in the room that the person's staying in. Or, you know, have them go clean up the playroom because they want, if kids are coming, to let the kids know that, yeah, come in. Let's yeah. We're going to start and we're going to play with these toys together, not to walk into a disaster where they don't know what to do because right. everything's a mess. And so I think, you know, even like greeting people outside when they get here, like coming out to them, hey, we're excited to have you here, right. hugs, and we're, you know, happy you're here, and telling your kids about who's coming and why they're important to you and why they matter and yeah. what the relationship is and, you know, any dynamics like that, share that with them so that they know why you're going through the effort to yeah. have someone over in the first place. Yeah. So I like the idea of getting kids involved. Um, as far as like meals and things like that goes, um, you know, again, I was modeled. My mom was constantly cooking um, so much. I mean, like my mom said about just what Jesus modeled to us um, throughout the New Testament, that I think so much life happens around a kitchen table. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I think one important thing I would, I don't want to ever 
forget to say is that I think it starts with your family. And so you have to create those habits within your immediate family in order to then welcome other people in with open arms. Mm, yeah. So like my mom growing up, that was, we, I don't ever remember not having dinners. We always sat yeah. as a family around the dinner table. And obviously, you know, when you're in high school, you have sports and things like that, but I don't ever remember a season where that was. Yeah. That was not the norm. Yeah. And I think just so much life happens around the kitchen table. That's where we would laugh together. That's where we would get in arguments mm-hmm. or heated discussions or, you know, theological things. Like it just, everything happens, I think, around the table. And I think, you know, we experience that as we grow older and realize, right. you know, when you're hanging out with other couples <clears throat> or other families, that's where so much of life happens. And yeah. so and the Pe- connection. people let their hair down. At a, at a table, a dining table. Yeah. More, I think people become more real yeah. um, there than almost any other place. And I think yeah. Jesus obviously instinctively knew that because yeah. that was so much of, you know, his, his ministry, his ministry, time around the table. I mean, and he, and think about the people that he went and dined with. Matthew, the tax collector. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Yeah. You know, yeah. the different people that he targeted specifically went out of his way People that were not accepted in the mainstream. And yeah. so, and I'm not saying that we all have to go out and recruit, uh, you know, the poor homeless man on the corner to come in and have dinner right. with us, but we all do need to be aware of the fact that this is an opportunity that God is giving you to sometimes reach people that you might not otherwise be able to reach. Right. And so right. just showing that, you know, and gift. You're going to have a lot of people in your home who you really love, but there's going to be people who come in your home that are hard to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yes. and that's that makes it more challenging. And for parents, I think, what if, you know, some, sometimes you may not like your... Your, <laughs> your guests. Your, your kids' friends. Oh, yeah. But what happens when you let them come and eat at your table and mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah. that that's exemplifying Jesus, right? Well, it is. Like, and let me, and I will, I, I'm, one of the things, my husband and I were very intentional on this. I will say this, very intentional from the time our kids were little in Dallas yeah. and they were, you know, five, eight and 11 when we moved to Atlanta 28 years ago, almost 28 years ago. And so, so Meredith, our youngest, doesn't really remember living in Dallas. She had yeah. just been five for a couple months. And so, um, but we we were very intentional, not just with like, for example, Jessica's talking about that home church group met in our home every Sunday night for five years. Oh my goodness, yeah. From but right before Meredith was born until right before we moved to Atlanta. And, and when Jessica says, it started out, maybe there were seven or eight uh, couples and we had maybe, you know, seven or eight kids and it grew. It was actually a small church by the time we were done. It was probably 30 adults. No, it was about 20 five adults and about 30 kids on a pretty regular every Sunday night. And we didn't do a meal together every Sunday night. We would do that periodically, you know, but, um, but it was just one of those things we were, you know, that was the way it was. We also had the, uh, we also had huge school groups in our home too and church groups, not any other than just that, you know, and then also, but our business I can't count the number of people, you know, and they weren't always spend the night guests. There's some, Jessica gave you some great tips on, on that, but they're just little things that you start to figure out in your mind. One of the things that I figured out early on that, because these are things that were, I liked is, um, I, 
I probably waste a lot of stuff, but I always put out a fresh bar of soap. That's a yeah. little thing, but it's not expensive. Yeah. You know? And yeah. if somebody's coming to stay in one of my my bedrooms, which now I've got lots of guest bedrooms because mine don't have children living yeah. there anymore. <laughs> yeah. We have lots of little visitors, nine of them age nine <laughs> and under, you know, but um but they uh so we I was just always that was important to me yeah. maybe and so I just I just it became a habit. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. You can buy really cheap soap. You know, you can, you can. Like you can buy really soap inexpensive is, yeah. soap. You know, yeah. I just but, think little touches like that just help the person who's coming to be the guest in your home yeah, know yeah. that you thought about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, yeah. Make sure that you've got you know crisp, clean towels. They don't have to be new. Yeah. You know, but they, but they you can tell. You know, that they've, they've been, been thought of yeah. and that they're clean. And, you know, obviously if, uh, you know, beds have changed through the years and stuff, but I always kind of make it look like we've, like they've had the hotel turndown service to some degree, you know, and it's, it's fluffed and it's clean and yeah. everything. And like Jessica talks about the lamps, that it, that's just a little it's thing. It's so but, easy. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Just make them feel welcome. When you know, something on. that you said that, you know, it starts with doing things like when you're eating to if a family eats together, mm-hmm. then when you welcome someone new it's to the table, it's a natural progression. It's natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something, I'm just like a light bulb's going off of like, oh, that I remember in college coming home mm-hmm. with y'all mm-hmm. to what felt like my home. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a lot, it was a lot of people's second home. Yeah. And we were thrilled at that. Um, and it was like we jumped into y'all's family dinners and I didn't ever feel like an outsider. Yeah. Because that I was felt, just the norm. I felt for, like I'm I'm a part of this, yeah. you know. Yeah. And even when our, me and the boys came, it was yeah. like you didn't. I didn't feel like a extra. Yeah. And and your kids were all normal and You're crazy, but normal. Yeah. I mean, my yeah, husband jokes because I'll uh, <laughs> I'll spend all this time making a nice dinner for my family, and then we'll sit around, and he's like, I cannot believe you go through all this effort for these crazy kids <laughs> that are just <laughs> totally ruining this dinner. But you know, I. But and I tell him every time, and we're totally on the same page. Is yes, but I want to set the example and the patterns now that will lead to yes. the future of where we want our family. And I think where you were going a few minutes ago was that you and your she always husband, has to rein me back. Yeah. In. Gets <laughs> on, back she, she gets on the tangent. The older I've gotten, the further off the tangents. <laughs> but I think what you were saying, and what I would say is true of me and Reed as well, is that um, you had a goal and um, a thought in mind early on was that you wanted to be a place that your oh, that kids, yes. yes, that your kids wanted to come back to right. and to bring their friends yeah. home to as well. We specifically said early on, we want to be the go-to house, mm-hmm. and y'all achieved that. And, and, and that it that is very it was very intentional. Yeah, and so and so anytime there was any you know, mom's much more of a super mom in the in terms of being room mom for all those things, and I am. That's not as much my thing because yeah. I, I lack the organization skills right, that right. she does. But um, but she was. They were just always. Like, I never had to ask. Like, I don't know if you remember. I remember. Yes. You know, that just, again, was normal for me. You and I, you and Hannah lived in Texas, and I was two hours from home. Well, of course, y'all can come with me. Like, it wasn't even something I needed to ask my mom because I just always knew, well, of course, yeah, if there's someone that needs a place to go, then, of course, you can come to our house. My parents would love that. Yeah. And so that's the same thing I want for my family, too. You know, like, the biggest joy of my life is having a house full of people and whether that's kids destroying 
toys and you know I love at the end of a, a fun night with people in my home I, it's like a a beautiful messy sense Tornado of joy has come through that I'm like oh, I just feel this sense of fulfillment like this is just you know I always want to anything I have and anything we have and I think this is probably what it ultimately boils down to is that if you view it in its proper sense which is that it all comes from the Lord yeah it's all his to begin with so having an open door policy and an open hand policy that what I have is yours because literally it is. Yeah. And so how can we be good stewards of what God's given us? And I'm glad that my mom touched on the metal table because I remember, you know, and I think it's uh, one thing and I can speak to this because I'm from the younger generation is that we live in a um, comparison culture oh, like crazy. Yes, and so yes. I think so many people are apprehensive to show hospitality because it, it stems from insecurity and feeling like... They think like, they have to have their whole act together and that means they have to have the perfect house yeah. and, you know, and it, it just doesn't have to be that For way. sure. And yeah. I think that you can start small and maybe you literally don't have a place that can fit 50 people and that's fine. But start with a family from your kid's school or the yeah. neighbors next door or just being the house that the neighbor kids can come in. Yeah. And being open and willing to share what you have and to sit and break bread together and sit around the table. And it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, I think that that's, again, going back to the comparison culture, what we live in. We see stuff all over social media and Pinterest and just all of the things, you know, you see these beautifully, um, you know, staged dinner parties or birthday parties or whatever it is. And I think that's great. I mean, I love doing that yeah, stuff too. It's beautiful but and great. But there's a place for that. And then there's a place for, um, you know, a level of flexibility when it comes to if, you, if you're really having a heart of hospitality that's saying, what's mine is yours and come into my space. Yeah. There has to be a level of flexibility is that, like that as well. And, you know, that may be a last minute stop in. Hey, we're going to order pizza, but I'm going to, you know, cut up some fresh vegetables or something to have on the side. Just an extra little touch that yeah. anybody can do yeah. to make that person again feel, um, you know, valued and important that they're in your house. So it doesn't yeah. always have to be fancy the, the or, big fancy yeah. thing that we, we envision when we think of hospitality nowadays, just because of what we see. So, you know, let me, I'm going to add this because this is something I've really, I think it took me years to discover is, um, any person that comes in my house, every, every person is of great value. Like I said, some of them I already love. Some of them I will grow to love. Some of them are very hard to love. And I have had people come in my house and insult me in certain ways. Aww. Not necessarily in intentionally. They yeah. might, well, don't you have anything else to eat? You know, oh. like I'm a vegan. And I'm like, what the heck is a vegan? I don't yes. know what a vegan is, you know. And we're meat-eating people in this family, right, you know. Right. And... Um, or, you know, um, I am now, what's the, uh, gluten-free I'm gluten-free. Yeah. Well, there's some carrots on the counter, you know, can you eat those? And so, so I've had people, you know, in more recent years, uh, do that. That's kind of newer, you know, period. Yeah. But the fact is every single person that walks in the door of our house is a creation of God. Yeah. And they are, um, they are made in his image and they have value and, 
we, I personally might be the only person that makes them feel that way that day. Yeah. And I may be the last little bit of hope that they have of putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Because you just don't know where a yeah. person is. And that's not, that's probably not, uh, that may be overstated to a large degree, but, but I think we live in such a hopeless seeming world in so many ways. And, and you just never know who's coming in, especially when you have a big group and you don't know everybody coming in your home. Yeah. And, um, and it's very important. It's, yeah. it really truly is ministry. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about it, I, all the things about how you experience the heart of God through hospitality. Are there any things you'll want to add to that? I think this is probably just more of a, a thing in general. I guess it's related to hospitality, but um, I love when I read about Jesus. I just see that people were drawn to yeah. him and people, a lot of people that were very different from him too, were drawn to him. Yeah. And so I, I like to think about that. I mean, I would say just in life in general, but also just with hospitality is how am I being, um, how am I reflecting the heart of Christ by being someone that is warm and welcoming and someone that hopefully people would be drawn to and that they would be drawn to return back because they, they felt so special And, you know, that happens a lot just right now in this stage of life with like our neighbors that, um, you know, they know that they can come here whenever. Yeah. And we even talk about it um, when they're here. You know, we have the Rawlings rules and these are the things that, you know, when you're here, you're family. And so when you're here, you're a part of Team Rawlings. And these are the things things that we do here. Yeah. And, you know, that's been lessons in forgiveness and... Um, apologizing and just all the things that are hard for kids to do. But I think ultimately just gives them a sense of belonging. Like when you're in our house, you belong here. And um, I just, I just don't, I just never, I don't ever see that not reflected in the life of Jesus through the New Testament, just a sense of belonging and um, acceptance. And so what better way to do that than to invite people in your home? That's such a, you know, some, some people feel very protective of their home and that's very, you know, obviously there are times that you need to have just your family in your home because that's where, you know, growth happens and all those things, but to see your home as a ministry and, you know, again, that goes back to practicing with your family and starting small because it can feel like a big thing. Um, you know, how am I, when my kids come home from school, how am I giving them a sense of welcome yeah. back home? Yeah. And how am I, you know, it may seem silly to make nice meals for kids or whatever at a young age who don't appreciate it and can't appreciate it, Yeah. but that I'm setting an example and like you said, modeling um, yeah. for hopefully their, their future families and creating an environment that they would want to be um, be around and bring people around, because you know obviously we've all had friends and grown up, and you know the influence that friends have in your life. Yeah. And so, why would you not want to be a part of your f- kids' friends' lives? Right. And if someone's going to make you know have influence or impact in their lives, well, I'd rather it be me. Exactly. And so, yeah. um, you know, just to. To see your home as a mission field, not just for your individual family, but for the people that will pass through. Yeah. And, you know, for 
one child in particular that I'm thinking of that we might be his only yeah. model you, of you probably what are that yeah. that the only model that he will ever see tangibly living life day to day of a family that follows Jesus yep. and is committed to Jesus and to each other yeah. and loving each other imperfectly and trying our best and asking for forgiveness and you know growing together and yeah. so i think that we can sell ourselves short sometimes especially as like if this you know for the stay-at-home moms um that might feel sometimes like a and it is a thankless job in so many ways well yeah but, but if you can expand our mindset into what kind of influence can I have in my kids' lives? But, you know, you're training the next generation. Yeah. It can be huge. It can be. Yeah. And, you know, but not only to limit yourselves to just your children, but right. what kind of influence can we have on my kids' friends or families that we could come in contact with from school or from sports or, you know, so many other venues to just be open yeah. Um, and allow them to come in and see the imperfections and the good things and um, to just be authentic and real. And I just think that ultimately my prayer is that people would experience the love of Jesus when they're yeah. in my house and yeah. that's, that that can be lived out in a tangible way. Yeah. You know, like you were saying that he served his disciples breakfast. Mm-hmm. What an awesome opportunity that I have that people can come stay at my house and I can serve them breakfast. Yeah, You know, like that's such a joy for me and not everybody's wired that way. And I understand that, but it doesn't, again, it doesn't always have to be a fancy Yeah, It can be basic. But I, I think what Jessica touched on earlier is so important. And this may be the paradigm shift that a lot of people just have to, to get to is that when you start looking at your stuff, whether yeah. it's a house, uh, you know, it, all your An apartment, stuff, uh, everything, any, any, yeah. whatever, you know, if it's a little metal table, yeah. it's still stuff that God has entrusted into your care yeah. and keeping to be used for the the betterment of his kingdom. Yeah. Um, and so we hold on to our stuff tightly. And by the time you get to be my age, you realize that's just vanity, you know? <laughs> And uh, what's that old saying about, have you ever seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it or something along <laughs> yeah. those lines? You know, people can't take their stuff with them. Yeah. So God has has given us the opportunity to be stewards. And so we've been blessed with, as we've grown older, you know, we've got a lot more stuff. Right. And so, you know, our stuff is, you know, our house or our, our extra bedrooms or um, our, our, you know, what what I can do in a meal at the, you know, obviously is much superior to what it was 40 something years ago. But when my husband and I started out in graduate school, our, our rent was $85 a month. If that tells you anything, our whole apartment was about as big as this dining room. And we started having people in our home. Yeah. When my kitchen was in the living room and heated up the whole apartment in Texas, <laughs> you know, to about 120 degrees, I think, because yeah. there was one little window unit in the bedroom, which was in the back. And so we started doing that because it was a mindset. And because even then, I think because both sets of our parents, my parents and then my husband's parents, had always looked at the material things they've been given as a gift from God that could be shared with others. And, um, and, and when you look at it that way, it's much easier, you know, to just start saying, well, you know, let me do something, you know, here nice for you. Show kindness to yeah. people. 
by um, by you know showing them hospitality and yeah. and I go back and I had written this down earlier because I love this um, when in Hebrews thirteen two where it says do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers mm. for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Yeah. And you, we remember the Old Testament stories, there's several in the Bible, about where people were entertaining angels and they were showing them hospitality. Maybe it was Abraham and Sarah, you know, and they're telling, you know, Abraham, that, or they're going to have a baby. You yeah. know? And and so there's <laughs> angels there. And so you yeah. never know. And I, yeah. you know, God's ways are mysterious to all of us, but you never know. Yeah. And uh, to the least of these, if you show it, you know, you're showing it to Christ. Yeah. Um, just the idea of surrender, um, I think is, is so good for our growth ultimately. And that can be um, hard at times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy um, in a culture that we live in, in particular, that everything that we see, you know, everybody s- thinks it's just for our use and our consumption. Mm-hmm. And But instead, as believers, if we truly believe that every good gift comes from above and that He is the giver of all good things, then, you know, we have to change our mindsets to realize that it, this cannot be just for my consumption. Yes. But how can we use this um, to steward what he's given mm-hmm. and to show love to others? And I think that, you know, sometimes that can be hard and, you know, you're going to have people over your house and something's going to break. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's going to probably deep down rub you a little bit. Yeah. But then to realize, wait, that's not mine in the first place. Mm-hmm. To get okay. to feel yeah. like I have a tight grip on it. Yeah. And so I just love the visual of having open hands. And I think that that's how we need to operate as believers um, because ultimately it's all in his hands. And yeah. he could, it could be gone in a second, yeah. you know, or like you said, I mean, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. So what is the point of holding it close? when we don't know what's going to happen and what can we do today with what he's given us to love others and to serve the people that are around us. Yeah. That's great. I've been um, a leader in an international Bible study for many, many years. And my best friend is actually the um, teaching leader. And one of her expressions she uses is um, love God, love others, repeat. Love God, <laughs> love others, repeat. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, is, is yeah. how, how we show the love of, of God, so the love good. of Christ to, to other people. And how, you know, now your parents have not, nine grandkids? So yeah. Nine. How do your parents show hospitality to your, to your kids? Oh, well... Um, Jack would prefer, my youngest, would prefer to, to live with my parents currently. We're having like actual issues about that. You might witness it when my mom has to leave my house today. But I think that that's just a tangible example. So as soon as we get there, my kids, first of all, are jumping out of my car. Baby pops. They, they open the door and the, the you know chime beeps. Yes. And they are greeted by dogs. But they are also immediately somewhere in the house. I hear either my mom or my dad or both of them. Who's here? <laughs> and you know, if my dad's down in his office, he'll you know come see me or come out the hall and walk down. And then there's like this little dramatic 
you know, running down the hallway greeting where they hug in the middle. And then my mom's usually in the kitchen as she does. So we walk right in there and there is just, there's never a time where they're first of all, not excited to see my kids. And we live, you know, less than 10 minutes. Right. You see them a lot. We see them a lot. So it's not Uh like, you know, the grandparents, they get to see them once a year. So they are truly just, you know, beyond thrilled. Yeah. I mean, they could see them one day and then the next day they'll be just as excited to, to see them. So I think that that's, probably one of the biggest things that stands out to me. Um, but again, just the going back to the ultimately, you know, my parents, and I think, and I wanted to mention this too, um, just as far as experiencing Jesus and um, growing. And I think that so much of hospitality ultimately is birthed out of gratefulness because I think if we're grateful for the things that God gives us, that's going to result um, ultimately in generosity. Yeah. And I think that generosity is manifested so much in hospitality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, opening your actual home to yeah. somebody, but also, you know, a lot of times that is a financial thing too. Yeah. You're paying for a nice meal. You're, you know, paying to have these things. That you, you might can... have to deprive yourself somewhere else. Right. But right. It's so, worth it. right. so I think that that, so, so starting with a heart of gratefulness that will result in generosity. And I think, you know, for my husband and I, we both come from my parents and his parents. Like they're the most generous people that I can yeah. think of. And yeah. in some ways those look, those look different, but they're just as impactful and I think that when you have a heart of generosity, that just creates that open, open hands and open door um, feeling in yeah. a home. And so you know you're always welcome there. And yeah. I that going back again to starting with your how are you how are you showing that to your family? Because if yeah. you're putting those things into practice on a micro level, they'll they'll eventually happen on a macro level. Yeah. And so for my parents, I mean, you know, I I was such a homebody growing up. I loved being home. I just yeah. loved being with my family. And it's because it just was always such a, like when I think about how I felt being home, I just felt warm yeah. and accepted. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so yes. my they do the same thing for my kids now. And that starts with a warm welcome yeah. when you get there. And yeah. that's excitement. As you know, we have a very loud family, so it's not hard to imagine a loud, who's here? It's who, which monkey's here? We have a lot of big personalities. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the loudness is natural. It comes naturally, but, um, but the warmth and the hugs and the receiving of the person who walks into your house, and that doesn't just stop with my kids. That's anybody who walks into their house. Um, and so I think that that's probably just the easiest tangible thing, but then ultimately that when my parent, when my kids are at my parents' house, they literally feel like it's their house right. because there's not like, oh, that's off limits or don't touch that or don't do this. And you know, that's Mamie and Pop's is. I mean, my girls will go in my dad's office and come out with something from his office drawer <laughs> and be like, Pop said I can keep this. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? I, yeah. You asked him for it? They just, I mean, literally, but that's a good little example of they know that my parents are going to be generous with everything right. in right. their lives and in their home and with their time and with their energy yeah. and you know with their finances as well. And I think that when someone's generous with you, that's just, you know that you're important to that yeah. person. Okay, well, yeah. I matter to you. Yeah. And so, you know, and then also just creating a... a environment of belonging to, um, that you belong here. And I think that, you know, like you said, when you came to 
eat lunch or dinner with uh, our family that you just felt like it was a natural okay well I guess I belong at this table too yes. and you know yes. this is and so just welcoming people into your normal way of doing things and your normal patterns and behaviors and yeah. saying you're a part of this group you're a part of this family when you're in this house yeah. and um, you know everybody wants to feel seen and yeah. known and belong to yeah. a group and so you know we say a lot I know you do the team Lassiter stuff and we do team Rollins yeah. and that's it's a it's a mindset I think too you know just to to make people feel like they are a part of something bigger than themselves and yeah. that's important for kids especially yeah. to feel like you're a part of something bigger than you know your little five-year-old self or yeah. whatever and to get outside of yourself and to care for others and yeah. so you know that's a little more limiting as a five-year-old right you're not going out into the mission field likely so but to be able to welcome someone into your house yeah. And to make them feel loved, and yeah. you know, how can I make you feel special? Talk about the popsicle. Okay, yes. I was, that was my, I was leading into <laughs> okay. talking about the the concept of belonging and giving some, you know, having an identity around um, your family, even. And I think that you can, I think everybody can break that down to some micro level within their own house. Yeah, your team and within you their own family. Here, yes. Or yeah. like, what is our identity? Like, what's something that like, or if someone comes to our house, like, what's one special thing? Yeah. that could like identify us whether yes. that's oh we have a fire pit out back we always do a fire like that's yes. our thing so if someone yes. comes over we have a fire like i'm just giving examples it's yeah. kind of tough in august but they I still know. do it sometimes <laughs> but or if it's so my dad early on when we were actually buying this house and we had a transition time where we had sold our previous one and there that we were doing work to this one and the previous owners were still living here. So Daniel we, was two. Daniel was two and we ended up living at my parents' house, which again, you know, we weren't, and I know you feel the same way because you have yeah. similar upbringing, <laughs> but it wasn't even like a, oh, we're going to go get an apartment. Like yeah. that wasn't even on the table. Yeah, like of we do that? course my mom and dad would want us to come yeah. stay with them. And we loved the seven months. That yeah. they were there. Yes. And so, but during that time, every, every night after dinner, my dad and little Daniel at the time would go on the front porch and sitting in rocking chairs and they would have a popsicle after dinner. And so then they formed their the little popses the popsicle, popsicle club. club. Cause he's so pops. It started with, it started with Daniel mm-hmm. and my dad. And then as all the grandkids were born and grown and they have an they initiation, get, they get initiated <laughs> around, an initiation. Age, around age yeah. one when they can actually hold a popsicle right. themselves and walk and all that. But, um, it has become a big deal. There's and a cheer there's that a, goes along with it. There is a cheer. And uh-huh. so there are nine it's hard and such fast a sophisticated members. Cheer. There are nine hard and fast members, mm-hmm. and that's the Godfrey grandkids. Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, my sister's grandkids yes, have so, been grafted into this community oh, wow. very So that's frequently. what I love is, okay. you know, my kids, like if we have other kids around, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll do it here too if we yeah, have yeah, guests yeah, yeah. over. And you get a popsicle and you're part of the popsicle club and you oh, teach them you teach them so their great. cheer and then everybody cheers is their popsicles at the end cheers, cheers. and then we pass lots of germs around that way we don't <laughs> well, no. uh, but what a fun memory and I so you know. know like when i think about like i remember my gramps her um her my dad daddy. growing up uh-huh. i just remember there was like there's different things that i can remember like little things about yes. he would always fly us on his on his, his feet, feet. 
when we were, you know, little and he would always be the grandpa that was like down on the floor, you know, snuggling and wrestling and just acting like an animal and telling stories and things like that. And so I think, you know, modeling, modeling. So I, I love that, you know, my dad now has that thing with my kids. My kids will, you know, they're going to remember the great trips. They are. They are. But what they're really going to remember when they are old is I remember when we would do Popsicle Club every time the family was together. And just like, again, just going back to the sense of identity, gives them a sense of identity. Like we belong to this club and, you know, it's not just for us. We include others when they're with us as well. Um, and but it's a just three dollar box of popsicles. Yes. This is not fancy. No, this is not a, 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 big year, deal. a year ago for Father's Day, though, Jessica um, decided that our that Pops's Father's Day present would be popsicle club shirts, oh, and so gosh, she she sure. has so she just well the whole family has them, yes. and um, <laughs> and so but the kids of course we all have our names on the back of our shirts yeah. and we are going to have to get new ones probably next year because they're we're going to outgrow People them. Are growing. I yeah, know. now unfortunately some of us have been growing too, oh. but. Uh, you know, but, but but you have our names on the back, but the kids are are number one to number nine. Oh my you know, gosh. on I on the this. shirts, and so my one of my very favorite pictures is we were standing at our son Scott's and his wife Georgia's house on the front porch when um, when they gave us the shirts, uh, and and we have the kids lined up. Oh my gosh. Um, number nine, you know, number one down to number nine, I love and it. so uh, they're, it's just precious, and yeah. so but but there's. We've been just so blessed in so many ways, and it's just a way to bless others. Yeah, and that's really what what God's kingdom, you know, I think is a, is about. And it's not always just blessing people that we know well or um, who who know the Lord. Yeah, but sometimes you just never know yeah. uh, the difference you might be making in somebody else's life. Yeah. And and my children have done a beautiful job of um, way surpassing anything that we ever did. And, um, and I'm very appreciative of that and the fact that you start to see the fruit. Oh, I know. Um, and, um, and I know my mother feels that way, too. She'll tell my sister and I all the time, oh, you girls just did so way beyond what I ever, you know, <laughs> did. And, um, and that's, it's a blessing to hear that from the, the elder member, yeah. you know, of the family. <laughs> and, uh, and so it, we're, it's just been a great life. And yeah. so, therefore, I just... You know, I just look at God's blessings on us and say, what, how can we turn around and give some of those blessings back? Whatever you, you know, tithe yourself, whether it's financial or not, you know, that's where it's going to show what's important to you. And so if you're investing in, there's no, no more powerful investment than the power of an investment in a person. Yeah, and oh, um, yeah. and we made that a, a, a kind of our life verse. Not if there's no verse that goes with it, but our life statement about 41 years ago when we were starting our business is the power of an investment in a person, and that's really what um, what hospitality is all about. You're investing in the life and the heart and the soul of a person. While I've experienced the hospitality of both Marcy and Jessica, it wasn't until this conversation that I'd really taken the time to, I guess, think about it or even hear their heart behind this. I walked away with clarity on really why they're so good at it and why I was able to call their home my home away from home while I was at Auburn. And sure, I think they have natural gifting and it's definitely been modeled for Jessica. But it makes me almost teary-eyed to think about this, that they are good at hospitality because it's about Jesus and showing people who Jesus is. And when I think back to that story from the beginning, 
I can vividly remember my feelings as an 18-year-old Auburn college student, close to spiraling, trying to figure out if I could have friends, if I was good enough for this new experience, if I would ever have a place to belong here. And Jessica boldly came along and said with her actions, I see you. You matter. You belong here. And whether Jess meant to do this in the moment, I don't know, but she was Jesus to me. Then I went home and her mom, through her cooking and conversation and hospitality, said, hey, you belong here. I think you're worth my time. You're worth my energy. And what they both did through their hospitality was speak the truth that Jesus speaks over us. You belong. You matter to me. You're worth my time. It made a big impact on me. When I look back, I think that's one of the things that really impacted the trajectory of my Auburn experience. It made a huge impact on me. And I think often we can make hospitality something that feels small and insignificant, and y'all, it isn't. We need more of that in this world. And I want to think of my home and whatever resources that God has given me to be for His use. That man, I I want to say, it's not about my convenience. It's not about my comfort. It's not about me appearing perfect or people thinking I'm great. I want it to be about Jesus doing what Jesus wants to do. I want my boys to experience that kind of home And I want their friends to experience that kind of home. And whoever Jesus wants to bring my way, I want to treat them the way that he would. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.